All right, let us, um, let's pray. Father, I thank you for tonight. I give you praise and honor and glory for this uh, meeting, our final meeting in this session about purpose. And Lord, I ask that your anointing will be activated to, um, to finish this out strong. I thank you for every person that participated, Lord. May the eyes of their understanding be opened. May they have revelation knowledge from you concerning this subject. Uh, give them supernatural insight. Give them uh, wisdom and opportunity to use their purpose, Father, as they uncover it and unveil it. And, Lord, I pray that uh, they will hear the voice of Holy Spirit and no other voice will override that voice, but they will be able to know the voice of Holy Spirit leading them into their purpose. I thank you tonight, Father, that no other voice has permission to speak in this atmosphere, but the voice of the Holy Ghost is who we listen to in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 All right. So what I wanted to do, I think you guys have the papers. The paper, the paper this week is not for you to like do here, but it's for you to take away because I, did, uh, I gave you things that you could do to kind of fulfill what we've been learning so far. <clears throat> so, so far, the goal was to learn about your purpose and to start working towards it and to eliminate things that are obstacles to your purpose. So that's a key too. It's not just to find your purpose, but through this whole process, you should have been able to identify things that hinder you from actually even uh, uh, recognizing or following through with your purpose. That's one big obstacle <clears throat> to knowing your purpose is having things um, get in the way. So a couple things right off the bat that get in the way is life that somebody else designed for you because we're here to live on purpose life but what ends up happening is we fall into line with whatever was there before we just kind of pick up and continue and you have to stop at some point and say wait a minute where did I get this from and and here's a good way to think of it sometimes if I lived in a whole other country as a, you know, in another village, in another uh, town, even in America, if I live in another state, would I be doing this? Would I do things this way? Would I have this job? Would I live this at this level? Would I be afraid to talk to these people? Would I, th you know, ask yourself these questions. And here's the other thing I was going to say. I don't have that on the paper. But if you are saying to yourself, I don't know why I whatever it is you're saying, I don't know why I finish the question and look for the answer. If you don't finish the question and you don't look for the answer, you're keeping that obstacle. And every time it comes up, it doesn't get filed back at the same size. It got bigger because it came up. Right? Because here's why your body, your mind will keep count. So let's say, and then you'll start saying, every time, da, 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 da. So now you have created a record that says, whenever this problem occurs, I don't know what to do. Okay? If you don't know what to do, find out what to do. 
find out if it's even a problem that needs to be a problem. Maybe it's of no value. Maybe it has no place in you. But it keeps staying in the roster of your mind's filing cabinet and you keep living with it, right? If you keep saying, well, I guess I'm just going to have to live with this, stop and ask yourself, here's what you want to finish it. Well, I guess I'm just going to live with this and blah, 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 blah. And every day for the rest of my life, I'm going to whatever this thing does to you. Imagine what you would do if you heard that out loud. You understand what I'm saying? And if you decide, no, wait a minute, I don't want to have this pain on my leg every single day for the rest of my life. So every time it shows up, you say, wait a minute, I must find a solution to this. Right? So let's say you say that, and the reason why people don't say these things out loud is because they don't get an answer right away, so they think they're a failure. Well, that's a lie if I ever heard one. When you identify a problem, that's the first step to now finding a solution. You know, everybody that came to Jesus for healing, when they showed up for healing, wasn't the first time they knew they were sick. Have you ever thought about that? (laughs) They traveled to Jesus. We don't know how long it took them. Right? Or Jesus traveled to them. Like when he was passing and the blind guy yelled out for him and stuff. But either way, at the moment when they got their healing, it wasn't, they didn't just get sick and then got healed. They were sick for a while. Right? So don't get upset, discouraged, feel like you have no faith, you're a failure, blah, blah, blah. Because it didn't work the first time. Right? you got to ask yourself, the woman with the issue of blood, the Bible tells us how long she had that issue. Well, look, she went to the experts. You see what I'm saying? And then when she made her way to Jesus, it happened like she said. So just decide how you want it to happen if if that's what you need. The bottom line is, though, which we've learned, in case you haven't learned this, learn it. When we look at the stories in the Bible, we're not looking to be like the people Jesus helped. We're looking to be Jesus in the story. So we're not the one with the problem. We're the one helping people with the problem. Do you see? You see the difference? So your life was not meant to live as characters in the story of the Bible where Jesus helped them. Your life as a believer was meant to be lived as Jesus helping people in the story. You understand? So hence the reason for you to know your purpose, discover what it is, and then carry it out. And if you do that, you'll be able to do, you'll be able to be Jesus in the stories. Right? So let's look at a story. I want to show, I don't have much um, scriptures and stuff for you to look at today because I want to just kind of go through the paper and explain to you how you can do this stuff. But I want us to go to the story of when Jesus turned water into wine. Um, I believe I have it listed here. Let me see. John, yeah, John 2, I think, is the one I was going to look at. John chapter 2, yeah. And 
I want to show you. Well, we, uh, I, I am doing this whole new teaching that I'm, when I say I'm writing a new teaching, I'm doing a new teaching, it's in my head. So <laughs> I literally process the whole thing in my head. And then when I sit down to write, I write this whole thing out. Anyway, Jesus, uh, uh, Pastor Doug and I are going to teach on marriage and like relationships and stuff in February. That's the plan. We'll see. <clears throat> but one of the things um, the Lord had brought to my attention before all this is, Every person should have both the skill of leadership and following, followership. All of us are born with one already. Some people are born with both like as a natural tendency, right? Generally, you're born with one. And it's your job to develop the other as strong as your natural one is. So when people see you operating at either one, they think you're born that way. That's our job to do, right? So Jesus had the same job to do. Jesus at 12, remember he took it upon himself to go to the temple. I'm sure if he had asked, he would have been given permission. But he took it upon himself. That's leadership right there. That's raw leadership. Right? I'm my own boss. So he took it upon himself. And he went to the temple, got the information he needed, asked questions that stunned them. They never heard anybody ask such questions. A leader will do that, right? But the Bible, I always wondered why the Bible said that Jesus, uh, after that, after those things, he went home with Mary and Joseph, and he was subject to them in all things. Right? Remember? And he grew in wisdom and stature and found favor with God and man. That time, when he left at 12 years old until he was 30, he was trained how to follow. Jesus had to be trained how to follow. Because I wonder, why did the Bible say, like, he was subject to them in all things? You know, this is Jesus. Well, he was a born leader. He already knew how to do that. Well, in this story in John chapter 2, um, verse 1, now on the third day, Jesus' mother went to a wedding feast in the Galilean village of Cana. Jesus and disciples were all invited, but with so many guests, they ran out of wine. And when Mary realized that she came to Jesus and asked, they have no wine, can't you do something about it? Jesus replied, my dear one. <laughs> That's not how he said in the other versions. <laughs> Don't you understand that if I do this, it will change nothing for you, but it will change everything for me. My hour of unveiling my power has not yet come. Like, why would he say, eh? Mary then went to the servers and told them, whatever Jesus tells you to do, do it. And then we know the story. So here's a couple of things. First of all, uh, they went to a wedding and they ran out of wine. Now, Jesus being a natural leader, first of all, if he was not trained properly, his response to Mary would not have been, my hour is not yet come, blah, blah, blah. It would have been, excuse me, who's in charge of this party? How do they not know how much wine to get? That would be a raw leader that wasn't trained, right? But instead of leading, because that was not his place to lead, he was not in charge of the wedding. 
he had to kick in the follower skills. His mama put him to the test in public to see how he would do following an instruction. Now, the history books say that Mary was most likely the one in charge of the, in charge of the wedding. That's why she was asking him to do it, right? So he, and then she said she bypassed his, whatever he was saying, and said whatever he do, tells you to do, do it. So as a follower, he, he followed an instruction, right? But yet, he was able to command an instruction and have the people do it. So he told the servants, she said whatever he said, do, do it, which tells me she had some form of authority on the wedding because she's ordering everybody around, right? She was in her proper place. So because she handed over that authority to Jesus, when Jesus used it as a follower of her instruction, they followed his instructions also. Do you see? So they did what he said. And the end result we all know was they said, this, you saved the best, this is the best wine, right, that we've had. Jesus fulfilled it so perfectly that it outdid everything else they ever had. The results of Jesus' actions were better than what they had before. Right? Now, this seemed like a simple story. Jesus' first miracle. Woohoo! But in this story shows all the components of fulfilling your purpose properly. So, first of all, Jesus had to understand protocol and not be like, I am the Savior of the world. I will say what I want to say when I want to say it. Because remember, one of the things Jesus said, and he was tested to do otherwise, was I don't do anything I don't hear my father do. He couldn't have followed that perfectly with the 12-year-old's leadership, raw leadership he exhibited at 12. Do you understand? There was some training that went into Jesus being such a perfect, sinless follower. You see? Because he had opportunity to do things with his own initiative of leadership, and it could have been done, no. But he did it how the Father would do it. And so he learned how to be a good follower. So why am I telling you this? As a fu- to fulfill your purpose... You must understand, are you a natural leader? Are you a natural follower? Whichever one you are, that's already set. You might have to tweak it a little bit here and there. But which would be protocol. You have to understand protocol. But second, you need to start studying and learning the other one. Like immediately. Because if you don't, when God gives you an assignment, you, the whole thing could be botched before you even get to do your part because of your response to protocol. How many people quit their jobs and stuff because they can't handle the people? The people is what they can't handle, not the actual physical job. Why can't we handle the people? Because we are getting caught up in their dysfunction. 
So if we are not properly trained in both, we have we have the um, we have the tendency. I want a, a bigger word than tendency. We have the something to um, to fall into dysfunction. It will be like a trap for us. You see what I'm saying? If Jacob did not have character, he would have had a problem working for Laban. But Laban, when he worked for Laban, his character came out and he still did what he had to do, even though he was being mistreated. You see what I'm saying? And when he left, he left with character. He left in a good way. He planned it. He told the man he was going to leave. The man still did stuff to him. He, uh, God gave him the plan. He followed God's plan. Do you see how that all works? So, so Jacob was following, right? But yet he was leading. He had to lead his family. He had two wives to lead, plus some children, right? So he showed up with none of that. But remember, he, on the journey, he had experiences with God, right? So we want to study these people and see how they responded to situations. How did they respond? And, and try to see if you can find the Bible. I, I could tell you, but it would take us all night. You know, we got Joseph, we got all these people. Esther, Queen Esther, she uh, followed Mordecai's instructions. She followed, you know, followed the, um, the eunuchs. She asked, like, what should I do? But there came a time where she had to lead something. Remember, she had to lead the charge in exposing Haman. And her uncle says, if you don't do this, don't think you're safe because you're going to be one of them too. And it kicked in that whole quality in her where she figured out how to lead pretty fast. And you remember she was giving instructions. She even gave instructions to her uncle what to do. She told him, wear this, do that, blah, blah, blah. This is what the plan is. She didn't stand back to him and say, hey, what should I do? Tell me, I'll do what you tell me. No, she had to lead it, right? So, and he deferred to her because she was queen. For the queen to go to the king. He didn't go to the king. You see, so when your purpose is activated, your results will be unquestionable. Like your results will be the stories people will tell and, and tell people to be like that person. Because it's your thing. We're still talking about Joseph, right? Look at how many administrative things he did, and we talk about that still. We tell kids about that. Like you want to, administer, you want to be an administrator like Joseph. Nobody ever tells a young lady, you want to be a queen like Jezebel. <laughs> she operated in dysfunction. You know Why? She led when she should have followed. You see the dysfunction there? She was leading when she should have been following. She superseded the law. She went against the law to wrongfully acquire something that was not her husband's, you know, it was not um, proper for him to have, but she by You see how all those things create dysfunction? Well, the same way that lawlessness can create a dysfunction in society, when we are not properly following protocol in our, in our personal lives, dysfunction will happen. 
And then we get frustrated and think people are rejecting us when in fact we are out of place. So, so the, 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 the scenario is rejecting us. You understand what I'm saying? The, the situation rejects us. <laughs> it's not people rejecting us. We are putting ourselves in the wrong place at the wrong time. So what I want everybody to understand with their purpose, I don't want people to walk around with it, but it's my purpose to do this, so therefore I'm going to do it. No, it's within the protocol of the place you're sent on assignment. You have to know this. You have to know what is your place, but you can't step back. So when you're supposed to act, you can't sit back and, I wonder what they don't do something about it. You were the one sent there to do something about it. Do you understand what I'm saying? But let's say that you were sent to a job to do an assignment and you decided to have an issue with every person that works there. It would be kind of difficult for God to ask you now to go befriend all of them and help them in this. You know, you had just messed the whole thing up because you couldn't have a, a, a loving relationship with the people. You see what I'm saying? So this is why the things that we did before where I say, look at your insecurities, look at your securities, what thought process overrides the ones that God would say. All those things are important because if you keep them in you, you're hindering yourself from having the results like Jesus had. Do you see what I'm explaining? And whenever, so God is love. So any place in us that cannot operate like Jesus would have is open or exposed and open for fear to come in because love isn't there. So wherever love is not, fear has access to go because perfect love casts out fear. So love and fear can't live in the same spot. So wherever you feel like you're afraid to do something, stop right there and don't stop saying I'm afraid to do it. Start saying I don't have any love for this. And see how quick it changes your perspective. You have to start arresting yourself. And be like, I'm always afraid to do this. Nope, I always have no love for this. Why? And again, remember I told you, Answer your question. Finish the thought and say, I must find an answer. Why? Maybe you're barking up the wrong tree. Maybe you're not supposed to have a love for that particular thing in that subject matter. You're following family line stuff. You see what I'm saying? That could be the problem. Right? All right. I wanted to explain some of these things. If you wanted me to, we're going to be a short night tonight because I'm just wrapping it up. So the first question I asked on the second page under questions is your life philosophy. The life philosophy is the things you believe and live by. So like, for example, well, my philosophy is that you should be a man marrying a woman. That's a philosophy. Right. But if you think, well, who my philosophy is, as long as you love somebody, you can marry them. You see what the difference is there. Right. 
So that means if anybody suggests any combination to you, as long as love is involved, you're good with it. Right? You know this lie that uh, parents tell kids, well, where do babies come from? Well, when two people love each other, that's when they have a baby. Do you see what we have in society today? I love you. Can we live in first and try it? Why? Because they've been told when two people love each other, that's what they do next. When they're old enough, they figure out what you meant by they have a baby. Do you see? And so a whole society could be shaped by that philosophy. So look at your life's philosophy. You remember that exercise I had you do where what, what overrides your mindset, which thoughts override other thoughts? Those thoughts guide your life's philosophy. They translate into your life's philosophy. Right? If your philosophy is, I just need to, like, pray every day. I don't need to go to church. Like, that's not a big deal. My parents never did it. They, they lived. They're fine. They lived till they were really old. They're fine. We never did it. But have you ever stopped to think, did your parents ever do what they were supposed to do on the earth? Do you know? Like, did they ever fulfill their purpose? Were they happy all the time? Did they, did they like, uh, give glory to God for, like, their life and I'm so just so glad to serve God you know like did they ever use those phrases did any of that ever happen you see what I'm saying so so you have to examine your life philosophy to see if you're following that path and maybe wrongfully so so sit down and write what you believe about life for real if you have a thing like well I don't believe people should make a lot of money because you have to save some for other people that's a philosophy of poverty it's a philosophy of poverty. Because first of all, you've decided that there's only so much. And we, all, we can't take all of it. So when God is saying, I want to give you more, you're going to put a stop to it. Because your philosophy is, I can't take all. I have to leave some for other people. That would be greedy. The stories in the Bible when Jesus multiplied things, did anybody lack any? When he gave the food, you know, he said they were all filled and they had baskets left over. In Psalm 1, right? In Psalm 23, my cup runs over. It does not ever tell us that the cup stops running over. It leaves it at the unfinished earthly phrase and they just let the cup keep running over you see that so to have a philosophy where we have to split everything up and make sure everybody gets a piece of the pie is not biblical it's a world view from the poor people of the world it's a world view from survivors, not people who are conquerors. Have you ever read a story in the Bible or heard of a country who conquered their whoever they were fighting with and decided, well, we better not take all the spoil. We need to leave some for somebody else that comes to fight them. No. <laughs> they took all the spoil 
And then they decided what to do with it after they got it. You see the difference? There's no biblical record of God's people moving in any way, shape, or form that describes a philosophy of, well, we can only have so much. Where did the whole thing, waste not, want not? Well, it's being a good steward, but it's not limiting what God can give you. Do you see the difference? But the enemy takes the things and twists it. Yes, we don't need to be running around wasting things, but we also don't need to think that if we have too much, it's a waste. Do you see that philosophy? If you have more than what you need, the philosophy of, well, that's a waste. I shouldn't have more than what I need. That's a bad philosophy. Because in order to give to somebody else, you need more than what you need. Or else you're robbing somebody, you're robbing your own family to give to somebody. Like you have a heart of giving, but you, if you have a heart to give, you better have a heart for abundance. Because you're going to give anyway, but you know who's going to suffer? Your loved ones. They're going to suffer. You see? Because you're going to take it and give it, which is a noble thing, but... It didn't have to be either or. It could be both. The, the verse I'm thinking of is, is 1 Corinthians 9 or 2nd. All sufficiency in all things. Let's go there. That's the perfect verse to explain what I'm saying from the New Testament. Is it 1 Corinthians 9? Let's check. 9, 8, I think. Or 8, 9. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, let me look at another version because that says it better this translation changes the word what is, is it first corinthians second corinthians 9 8 i should remember it's second corinthians because it's the more than one <laughs> second corinthians 9 8 you guys doing all right? Okay. And God is able. So first of all, God is able. He is not going to run out ever. For eternity, he's not going to run out. Okay. God is able to make all grace abound towards you that you always having all sufficiency in all things may abound to every good work. And it is written written that he had dispersed abroad. He had given to the poor. His righteousness remained forever. Uh, This is where he goes into. He'll give seed to the sower, right? Uh, Bread to you for food. Multiply your seed sown. Increase the fruits of your righteousness. Being if everything is increased. So when you give it to God, he doesn't say, well, let me see how much they need. And that's how much I'll multiply it by. No. He multiplies it and gives it back to you. You see? So God doesn't operate on a needs basis. This is where probably people get upset. Like, he knows I need it. Why wouldn't he give it to me? God operates on a deserve it basis. And here's how we deserve it. When we put the faith effort in to believe it. That's how we deserve it. We deserve anything from God that we have the faith to ask for. 
but he doesn't give us what we need. You remember the verse that says uh, that God knows what you need before you even ask? So people finish it there. But you need to ask. The fact that it says God knows what you need already before you ask insinuates that you're going to be asking. Right? So finish the work that you need to do by asking. The work that you have to do for anything is faith. Your work is faith. And faith works by love. You remember I told you about wherever love is missing, fear will take its place. So let's bring it back together. When I tell you, instead of saying, I'm afraid of this, you say, I have no love for this. Will that shock you into reality? I have zero love for this. Which equals to all my faith for this will not work. Do you see? Wherever you have zero love for something, zero faith will work. Because anything multiplied by zero is what? Zero. Love is multiplier of our faith. Right? He's the author and finisher of our faith, right? God's love. So where God's missing... The faith isn't working. Faith works by love. It doesn't work by other things. It works by love. So instead, I'm just afraid of this. I have no love for this. Boom, faith can't work there. That's why fear is working. Fear works in zero love. Fear works in zero love. Do you know why? Render, I guess. Because any effort you put in multiplied by zero is what? Zero. Fear comes to give you a zero sum. Do you remember what happened to Job? The things happened to him because he feared. The things he feared the most came upon him. Remember he said that? The things I feared the most came upon me? Yeah, it brought him to zero in everything that he feared. You see? If I were you, I would make a list of the things that fear has brought a zero sum for. And take that list and go to Job chapter 40, I believe it is. That's the last chapter of Job. And say, Lord, what you did for Job... Do for me on this list. The Lord doubled everything that Job lost. So ask the Lord to double everything you lost because of fear. Yep. But first you got to know what fear took. So it's in your speech. It's in your speech. It'll tell you. Your spirit has been waiting to tell you 
what you have been blocking, your, what God's putting in your spirit to, to do for your life. You understand? The Holy Spirit himself is waiting to tell you. Ask the Holy Spirit, he'll tell you. <laughs> you see? So you're not going to say, I'm so afraid of that. You're going to say, I have zero love for that thing. And unless you don't want that thing in your life, you don't change it. But here's what I'm telling you. If you let love in, if you let fear in for something, it takes over everything. So I wouldn't let fear be the decider of what I love. But I'm just saying, the things that you have fear for, you cannot love. Right? And the things that you end up... So, that list that Pastor Doug preached from on Wednesday, you should listen to the Wednesday service if you weren't here. He talked about um, the flesh and the spirit. So the list of the flesh, right? That list is more uh, welcoming to fear's entrance. Because the list of love requires the spirit of God. And that means that all these carnal things will have to go once you start moving love in. You know what I'm saying? So you want to check that, that um, list of fleshly things. Pastor Doug had a whole bunch of scriptures on it. So just check the sermon and, and look at that. And decide, I need to check off and make sure I don't love any of these things that could likely be bringing fear in for the spiritual component that opposes it. You see what I'm saying? Like if you love, um, if you love lasciviousness, you know, that fancy word, which is really like riotous type living, you know, lawlessness, I think is like another way to say it. If you don't have a pro- if you don't have a, a way either way, like you don't care about those things, you better start caring about them. Because you should decide that you care enough not to want that as part of your life. You understand what I'm saying? And if you don't, if, if, you ta- um, if you don't have a philosophy against it, let's put it that way, you will tolerate it in other people in your life. And when you tolerate that, then you are omitting a spiritual principle that would oppose it. You cannot, you cannot be, be um, accepting of a spiritual principle that opposes something that's evil and be in the presence of the thing and not want to like do something about it. Or at least oppose it, even if it's not to the person doing it. Do you understand what I'm saying? So like if I hear the news, watch a commercial, hear, watch a movie, whatever, and these things come up, I oppose it outwardly. I say, no, 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 that is completely unacceptable and sick. I want no part of that in me. You understand what I'm saying? Because you could be watching a regular, you could watch in the news and a commercial comes on that has stuff in it you would never accept. You understand what I'm saying? So, so you could... Uh, Actively practice rejecting those things. Because here's the, here's the thing. I understand. We don't want to watch movies. and We don't want to watch this stuff that has all this. But here's the clue, honey. 
when you go out into the community at Walmart. There it all is. When you go to work with your co-workers, there it all is. And because you have no practice of rejecting it because you've been hiding from it, you are like out of sorts. Oh, I just can't go to those places. They're so unholy. Well, then what are you going to do? The whole thing is unholy. You understand what I'm saying? You use the devil's own equipment for a punching bag for him. Practice punching the enemy with his own stuff. (laughs) You see what I'm saying? So don't get so extreme that you're like, I don't permit. I understand. You don't permit things in your home and all. That's why I open my mouth and say something. Because when my son goes to public school, he's around all kinds of stuff. And I believe when I say something against the news or the commercial or the movie that's playing or advertising, I'm kind of enforcing whatever he would have come in with. That all gets, they, they hear my voice resounding about, no, I don't think so. Do you see? But if, if you live this seclusion, then when you meet with this thing, you have no solution for it. So it becomes the biggest problem you have to deal with. Because you didn't condition yourself inside to deal with it. Right? So I'm not saying go around and sin so you can have, I'm saying, Learn how to reject it when it shows up uh, loudly, right? Okay. So do we understand philosophy? Any questions on philosophy? You should have a philosophy about money, about relationships, about marriage, about children, whatever is involved in your life, about work. You know, do you only work because they pay you a certain amount so then you stop working after so much because they don't pay you enough? That's a terrible philosophy to have. Because. So, is there some place we should start? Because there's like a lot of things we write our philosophy about. Right. So, the first thing I would say is get your spiritual philosophy in order. What do you believe about God? What do you believe about His house and His people? Right? So, that entails how much do you love God? Do you wait for Him to show you some love first before you show back love? Like, what's your philosophy of showing love to God? You know, a good one would be like, whenever he says jump, I, I jump. I don't, while I'm jumping, I ask, how high would you like me to go? <laughs> right? That's how quick you answer. You don't even wait to ask how high. You just start jumping and go, how high should I go? And how many times would you like me to jump? Is it up to my discretion or should I jump a certain amount of times? You're doing the whole, uh, the whole time while you're jumping. <laughs> You remember the story of Abraham? He told him to sacrifice his son. He got up the next morning, packed everything up, took his son on the way and all that. But he was still listening, but he did the motion. You see, that's how you should, that's a good philosophy to have, right? Ooh, people, you want to have philosophy about people. You should know how to treat an enemy, how to treat a friend, how to treat a relative, how to treat, you know, you should know how to, what's your philosophy on those things. And then finances, what's your philosophy on money? The church always wants my money. The, you know, people are always in need. They're always asking for something. If you have that thought in your head, it, even though you're giving it, it's still grudgingly. If you don't tithe, find out why you don't tithe. What is your philosophy about church and money that you don't tithe? That's a big problem right there, right? If you don't tithe and you have children, you run the risk of your children falling before their time because that's a fruit. It says your 
um, fruits won't drop from the tree before it's time or something like that, all that stuff. Malachi 3, right? So, um, right? Does that help? About your kids, you should have philosophy about your kids. Which I've told people to say, I don't know how many Mother's Day ago it was, that you declare the fruit of your womb does not serve the enemy, blah, blah, blah. And people have shared with me results from doing that. Yeah. You know, that's something the Holy Spirit shared with me. I declare the fruit of my womb, and they ain't going to be sidetracked by nothing. That's another addition I've added lately. So, (laughs) the fruit of my womb don't miss the boat. (laughs) Let's put it that way. They catch every boat, every airplane. They have every jet and every every rocket that is going where they need to go. They never miss the boat. You know, stuff like that. You, yeah. Like, I was joking about, you know, like people suggest to their kids to do this. I don't suggest, I tell. Like, you know flat out what I would like. There's no, like, hint. I don't hint. I give you the full story and you can do with it what you want. You know what I'm saying? So if your philosophy is to insinuate and hint, you'll get insinuating and hinting results. So don't be upset when you're not getting the full-blown result you want when all you've been doing is hinting. Because you have to be clear in your communication. You should put that as a philosophy. I'm clear in my communication because I know what I want. That's another philosophy. Do you even know what you want? (laughs) At my wedding, my dad, his speech. Well, first of all, Doug is getting a gem. And Fiona always gets what she wants. (laughs) And I was about to say, well, dad, we have to clarify this because she knows what she wants. (laughs) But you can't get what you don't know what you want. You can't get what you're hinting to. You get what you want. And here's another way of what you want. What you put up with is what you want. Okay, go with me to Deuteronomy 30.19. I'm going to show you why. Go with me to Deuteronomy 30.19. I mean, we were going to be done early tonight. I'm pretty much done, but I think we need to go a little further here. Deuteronomy 30, 19. Okay, you guys know this verse, but we'll read it and I'll show you. I call heaven and earth to record this day against you. That I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life that both thou and thy seed may live. And that, that thou mayest love the Lord thy God. And that thou mayest obey his voice. And that thou mayest cleave unto him. For he is thy life and the length of thy days. That thou mayest dwell in the land which the Lord swear unto thy fathers to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give them. Now, God called heaven and earth. Another way to put that is the universe. The New Agers have taken that word and used it, so the church doesn't want to use it. Right? So God literally set the universe up to witness what we choose. And you know how the universe knows what we choose? What the heavens and the earth knows what we choose? By our actions. 
by literally what we choose. And they, can, they know, so if he asked them to be the witnesses, they're sending a report back. And the report is whether or not we chose a blessing or a curse. So the heavens and the earth who are the witnesses to us must know what a blessing and what a curse is. As, as um, defined by God. Do you understand? And so think, when you think of the universe and of, and of heaven, you remember when David said, it doesn't matter where I make my bed, if I make my bed in heaven or on earth or under the earth, there you are. Yeah, he's got eyes everywhere. <laughs> Do you understand what I'm saying? So the point is that when you choose something by accepting it, that is a choice. Okay, so you can't choose to curse and ask for the blessing results. That's impossible. God would have to break his own word for that to happen. The Bible tells us that he watches over his word to perform it. He doesn't watch over his word to break it so he can accommodate our disobedience. But yet, he will not disobey us. But we want him to disobey himself. So if we choose the curse and want him to give us the blessing, we're asking him to disobey his own word. But he gives us the respect not to disobey our word. Do you see how this works? So this is why an unbeliever could participate in this. Because it's a law. This is apart from the covenant blessing. You understand? This is the part that you choose. Where you are making decisions about things. Whether to choose the curse option or the blessing option. Our choice of the blessing option is how we show God love. That's what it said if you keep reading. This is where our... When we choose the blessing option, love for God is what we're putting as the first thing. Right? So there are records of our life being kept by the universe. Pastor Fiona is teaching about the universe. Deuteronomy 30, 19. Next time somebody gives you a hard time about it, just take them there, for real. Read them in a couple of, I mean, God knows what the message says. I'm sure that's got a nice colorful way of displaying it. You, you see what I'm saying? So the way things are set up, it's set up so it is repeatable. This is not rocket science. It's not, oh my gosh, I hope he does it. Oh, I just hope he does it. Just do what it says to do for the results you want. He already did it. He already set it up. But whatever you permit is going to be multiplied back to you. That's it. And what we have to thank God for is the ability to learn and grow. So when we find we've been doing something wrong, we quickly switch, like fast, lightning speed. And we change our ways. When, God, when we submit to God, he'll allow our ways to be changed. So you know how the psychologists say it takes so many days for a new habit and blah, 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 blah. I, it, that's the natural. 
when I want to change something, that's great. I think of that. That's fantastic. But I also know that God quickens things for me because I'm his best friend. We're buddies. He does it faster for me than anybody else. That's my philosophy. So I expect he'll do it fast for me there for that. That's what I believe. It works for me. <laughs> you don't want to believe that? That's up to you. I believe that. I believe steps get skipped just for me. Like, because it's happened. It's my philosophy. It works for me. <laughs> right? And nobody else, nobody gets hurt in the process. <laughs> nobody gets hurt in the process. I get blessed. So if your thinking is in order For you to be blessed, somebody else has to be hurt. That is a bad philosophy. It's not a good philosophy. It's robbing you. Think of life. You have your lane. You have your lane. You can go as fast as you want in that lane. It's not going to hurt anybody else if you stay in your lane. Just stay in your lane and you'll be fine. All life is a highway. Start saying it. You you have to stop thinking. Oh, if I did, I'm gonna do this and blah 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 blah. And this, 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 this. yeah, no. I like so I had to I had to remove this from me because I didn't realize until Pastor Duck pointed out. He's like, you really think a lot about what people think about you. Know what I do? No, I don't. Yeah, uh huh. Oh. So from that day on, I started thinking. What am I thinking of? Thinking about other people think about I don't think so. Well, apparently I do because it's coming out somewhere. So I started paying attention. That if I go, well, I don't want to do that because I don't want them to think, huh, stop right there. Who's them? And what does it matter what they think? <laughs> yep, that's how I changed that real fast. Who's them? And what does it matter what they think? If they're not part of the clouds of witnesses and heaven, they don't count. <laughs> You understand what I'm saying? If they're not part of the, the heavens and the earth and the clouds of witnesses, they don't, either you have to be part of the universe, a dead person that's in heaven, or <laughs> up in heaven for it to be valid what you think. <laughs> you see? Because, because the clouds of witnesses are seeing, again, they're seeing what we're doing. They're cheering us on. Our actions, again, are being seen. And then the, the heavens and earth are reporting cur- blessing, cursing, blessing, cursing, blessing, cursing on Fiona's record. We're seeing blessing, cursing, you know, hopefully it's blessing, 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 the B, no need to word, use the C word. <laughs> we should put a prayer in there. Holy Spirit, alert me if the C word is being written about me. <laughs> if the records are showing a C, tell me right away. <laughs> we only want B's. <laughs> I'm a straight B student. We should do a t-shirt call. I'm a straight B uh, Christian. Wouldn't wouldn't people ask questions? Oh, yeah. I think I'm going to do that. I'm a straight B Christian. All right. Okay, second question. In the next year, I have the following personal development goals. I put it by the quarters. But you should pick a goal for every month. You want to develop this thing for yourself personally. Go on YouTube. Type the word in. You'll be shocked. If you have questions about who that person is, you could ask me. If not, listen to what they say. See what they believe. You know, don't get caught up in all the new age garbage, but there's some good stuff out there. If time management's an issue, study time management. If finances is an issue, study finances. You could take the practical, put the blessing. You know, listen to the Christian people, you know, the 
prosperity. Listen to the prosperity preachers preach about finances. (laughs) And then listen to the business people talk about how to manage the finances you're going to get from listening to the prosperity preachers. If you have a problem with the word prosperity, you have a philosophy problem. Write the word out. Look it up. Read it. Look in the Bible. Look look at the synonyms of the word prosperity and find those words in the Bible too. And see what God said about it. Do your own research. If you have a problem receiving a message that a preacher is preaching... And you take everything else they say, but that one thing, you know, whatever. You need to find out for yourself if what they're saying is right or wrong and resolve it. Don't just let it float around. You see what I'm saying? Like, I stopped listening to a minister because he just could not stop talking about church. Oh, my God. He constantly talked about the church and your pastor. I couldn't stand it anymore. I was like, dude, I thought he was having a bad day. Like, this man's having a bad, like, decade here. <laughs> no. You understand? But the other stuff he teaches on all that is so great. I'm thinking, you keep this up, you're going to be go back to heaven fast just to get you out of here still safe. But <laughs> you have to make those decisions. You understand what I'm saying? All right. Everybody good? Uh, okay. What habits do I want to stop this year? It might come out of your personal development thing, but you decide. Stop some bad habits. Start some new ones. I got a whole bunch I'm working on. Oh, yeah. I've been organizing my house. My goal was that each room in my house must be so organized that it takes 10 minutes to, on, to get the room cleared out. 10 minutes. If I had somebody met me and say, hey, I can come do your floors and your walls today, but I'll be there in 15 minutes. No problem. It'll take me 10 minutes to clear the room. That's my goal. So I found when I do things with a goal, it helps me better do it. You know what I'm saying? Instead of making it like this big, huge, oh, my God, you got all this stuff, blah, blah, blah. No. My goal for the room is that it's packed in such a way that it'll take 10 minutes to unload this room. 10 minutes. I should clock. I should unload the room clock and see if it really works. (laughs) But... I had this dresser, you know, it was so not serving me. I'm thinking, like, I come in the room, stuff's falling out of it from earlier day because I'm trying to find something to wear. <laughs> stuff's all over the place. The dresser, the pull the thing, the thing fell. I'm like, you know, so I'm laying in bed one day, and I go, you know, I really don't want to get up. You know why? Because my room's a mess. Why is So I start following train of thought. <laughs> why is my room a mess? Because the laundry never has a place to go. It's clean, but there's just not enough room. Why is there not enough room? Because this dresser can't accommodate my need. This is what I did. That's how I solved my problem. So you know what I did? I said, Pastor Doug, listen to me. We, this dresser is not serving our purposes. We need to get rid of it. So we did. It's being packed up tonight and sent to the junkyard. That's how terrible it was that it would go to the junkyard. But I was putting up with it. And because you're only in there for so long. You know what I'm saying? But the point was it was so uninspired. So you know what I did? I went out and I got... Clear bins. Yes, dear. All my clothes are beautifully organized in clear bins. You know why they're beautifully organized? They are. I can pick them up, drop them back in. Pick them up, drop them. I don't want that. I don't want that. And they all stay in the bin when I'm done. 
And when I have redone my room, I will decide what furniture I want to put in there. Instead of going out and trying to find a furniture, but I'm, ah, no, we'll do it different this time. My room has been so neatly organized for the past, however long I did it. I'm like, oh, I love this so much. <laughs> and that's when I decided, you know, I could pack this room up in 10 minutes. And I said, I'm going to do that for all my rooms. That's what I'm going to do. This is my new goal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I could do that to my living room right now. I could do that to my office. I finished that yesterday. It was a complete, I should have taken a before picture. I thought, man, this, is, this looks so good. I should have taken a before picture. <laughs> but for me, my goal this year is to have this, my house organized 10 minutes each room. I was counting how many rooms do we have. So that means, you know, in two hours, my entire house could be packed up. Outside, no, let's gut the whole thing and do what we want to do it. You know what I'm saying? But think about this. Think of your house right now. If somebody came up to you and say, if you could be ready in one hour, I could rebuild your entire house to your dream house, but you have to be ready in an hour. Do you know what I'm saying? <laughs> so you have to start thinking scenarios like this sometimes in your head to get yourself, you know, you know what I'm saying? So for me, that helps me. I'm just saying, this is a practical thing. Next year, my house is not going to be disorganized and I've got every family member's item in there stored. No, 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 we're done. All done. Everybody's gone now. We're good. <laughs> but what happens is we get busy. So in the morning when we're touching it, I got to do something about this. By the time you get back at night, you are exa- you've spent all your energy. Until you, so you know how, I, you, wanna tell, you want me to tell you a secret how I got it done? Yes. I sat down one night. Yep, I sat down one night. I had my... Uh, computer. I brought up my computer because my phone was too little. I didn't feel like typing all that on my phone. I sat down in my computer, watched a TV show, spent time with Josiah. That's our Josiah time. Even though he doesn't watch it with us, he's on his own thing, but we're just there. And <laughs> I typed out a plan. I typed out a plan to organize my whole house. And I also typed out a 100-day plan a goal sheet for 100 days, which takes me, at the time I typed it, to March 23rd of 2023. The next 100 days, these goals I would like to accomplish. Well, my first goal was to have the house completely organized by the end of this year. That was a 10-day or 15-day goal or whatever. So I started writing what needs to be and then underneath each item, I start talking about what I'm going to do to fix it. See, none of that was in my head until I started putting action to the first goal. Then everything started coming out. I typed it all out. I typed where I was going to put what, what drawer was going to be designated for what. As it came, I just did it on paper. So when I had an hour, 15 minutes, 10 minutes, I knew this drawer is going to be used for this thing, so I'm going to clear it out so I can make room for this thing. That's how I did it. Yep, I did it all on paper first, and it took me a, a nighttime TV program, whatever we were watching, to get it done. See? But if it stays in here, it stays in there, right? Okay, I gave you all my little tips and tricks. Okay, everybody good with that one? Now here's number four. What do you want people to say about you, about your contribution to their life? 
So the people that know you, what do you want them to talk about you? There's lots of people that would say a lot of things. But you want to make sure the ones you want to be said is at least being said. But if nobody is saying what you would like people to say about you doing for them, then you have a problem. Right? So I'm not saying, what do you want everybody to say about you? I'm saying, what do you want people to say? What is the thing you're looking for people to say? She is this to me. If it hasn't happened yet, you have to head in that direction. Or reevaluate if it's a proper thing. Right? Do you know uh, somebody was telling me that uh, a coworker was saying to them they were being um, appreciated in a, in a um, staff meeting for a good job. You did a good job. We love the work, blah, 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 blah. And on the way back to the office, the coworker was saying, well, there you did it now. Now they're going to expect even better next time. And to this, the person said, well, isn't that normal? Like, shouldn't you do better next time? Oh, no, they're going to keep expecting better. Well, isn't that what's supposed to happen? But if the mentality is, I better hold some back, so next time I have something else to give. That's a stagnant mindset. Stagnant. It means you think you already have every idea you ever have. No, no, no. Let go of the ideas you have so more can come in. You have to. Even if you put it on, when you put the idea on paper, you'll be shocked at what shows up next. Like, wow, I never thought of that. Yeah, you couldn't have. It was stuck down there behind this other one. You see what I'm saying? You are full of ideas, but you got to get them out. So put them on paper. If you don't have a place to put them yet, put them on paper. Got it? All right. Do you want people to think that you're sad every time they see you? Okay. No, for real. There are some people that you don't want to see them. (laughs) Because they're always sad. Right? You should find out if people say that about you. I feel so bad for them. They're always so sad. Well, stop feeling bad for them. They are accepting something that makes them sad. It's one thing for a season of sadness if there was a death or something. I, get, I mean, that's normal. The Bible says, mourn with those who mourn, rejoice with those who rejoice. There's a season for that. But then as they continually live with the people that are mourning and they don't want to give it up, something's wrong there. That's what happened to Adam's father, uh, Abraham's father. Adam's father. <laughs> that's a big bull blooper. <laughs> Adam's father. <laughs> His new father, um, Abraham's father, right? You remember his name was dropped from the lineup because he stayed in the place of the grief of his oldest son. That's where he stayed. Terah, he stayed, right, in Haran. That was the name of his son that died, and he never moved from there. And God had to come get his other son out of there, say, you need to leave, buddy. You need God to get out of here. I'm going to show you where to go. Just get your stuff and go. <laughs> It was so bad, the nephew left. He said, I'm going to. (laughs) I don't want to stay here either. Okay. Number five, what do I have to take away or add to my current behavior, lifestyle, or knowledge to fulfill contributions to people's lives? So I tell you how to do what you want people to say. And don't be, um, don't hide from people giving you feedback. 
think about if you do that unconsciously. That you hide from having conversations because you don't want to hear what people have to say about you. I hear it whether I want to or not, but I don't care. <laughs> I've outgrown that part of life. <laughs> but um, if you find yourself, if somebody says they want to talk to you, and you think automatically it's something bad, arrest that and say, why do I think it's bad? Am I only doing bad things? Ask yourself, why do I flinch? Am I only doing bad things? And then it, you have to answer it. <laughs> because you'll start thinking, oh my gosh, I'm only doing bad things. I'm not doing anything right. Oh no, I can never do anything right. See what happened there? No, no. Say, no, I don't only do bad things. Especially for them, I don't do anything bad. You know? <laughs> Maybe for other people. <laughs> You see how you can't have a conversation with yourself. All this nonsense about if you talk back, then I, no, talk back. <laughs> right? Talk, answer the question. Somebody else is going to answer it. Okay. And then I have here a daily goal thing for you to do. I didn't number it or anything, but I give you this whole long explanation. Right? Look at your days. And find out where you can find the wasted times. The wasted times. You Right now you're like, oh, I'm so busy. I'm like, really? Just check. Write down your 24 hours. And, and log for three days what you did in each hour. And then find out if you can replace any of those hours with something else to help your personal growth. I suggested here that you decide to turn your car into um, a learning station. So have things ready that you're going to play in the car, even if it's on your phone, but you could still hear it because you're the only one in there. Have it ready to go. And if you play the same thing every day for five days, you're not going to have to take notes. Because you're going to remember, it's going to be in you. And while it's talking, you can calculate how you're going to do and where you're going to apply it. You understand? So, you, so if you don't take, you don't always have to take verbatim notes and then you do nothing with it. When you want to learn to adapt it to what you have to do. You don't want to just get a bunch of information and do exactly what they say. This is how they do it and this one. No, no, no. Do it like you do it. Right? But you're getting the example. We don't want you to go be prime minister like Joseph was prime minister. We want you to go to go jail. First of all, you got to get caught with the other person's spouse. <laughs> then, when you go to jail, you got to get the jailer to choose you. <laughs> choose you to be in charge. <laughs> you <gotta> go <laughs> then you got to hope somebody has a dream. <laughs> And then you pray to God you can interpret the tree. <laughs> you have to wait <laughs> for the king <laughs> to have a dream so they can remember. I mean, like, seriously, this is not going to work. <laughs> oh, that was a good one. So, <laughs> you don't want to follow exactly. You get the gist of the story, right? <laughs> That's how you want to do it. Oh, that was funny. <laughs> like, this is why people 
say they're waiting on the Lord. I'm waiting for the story to happen just like Joseph. You know, the girls that are waiting for their Boaz. <laughs> Seriously. I asked, I asked Dr. Ron Charles. I said, Dr. Ron, exactly how old was Boaz? <laughs> because I heard that he was older, right? Like, how old was this man? He goes, he was very old. <laughs> and he, had, he probably had other wives. Because he was a businessman, he traveled a lot. So it is understood that maybe all the places he went to, he had wives. So I'm thinking, well, look, that doesn't look like such a good story. <laughs> like big memes everywhere, waiting for my Boaz. <laughs> like, I want no Boaz. <laughs> that dude sounds like he was old. You got to go sit at his feet. <laughs> First of all, you got to go work in the farm. I don't think so. <laughs> You don't ever see the things that go, working from a Boaz. <laughs> They're all waiting for their Boaz. <laughs> oh, my gosh. The next time I see some, a meme like that, I'll have to say, you mean working for your Boaz? <laughs> oh, my gosh. Anyway. So <laughs> my suggestion is that you decide what your lifestyle is like and fit these new habits into it. It could be part of what you're already doing. Like I typed up this entire plan while I was watching TV with my son sitting there feeling like he had time with me, even though he's on his own thing. <laughs> we're, we're watching something and nobody's watching. <laughs> it's just there. We're all doing our own thing, but hey, <laughs> it works for us. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So you fit it into your life. There's no reason. We have 24 hours. Look, if you ever... Think, I can't do this. I, I just urge you. Think of the most successful person on the planet Earth that we know. And go see if they have more than 24 hours. Just check. Just check in case God decided to give them an extra couple hours that we don't know about. Okay? We all have 24 hours. The 24 hours from today have already been depleted. Right? We only have so many hours left. So we have 24 hours, all of us. You decide what. Well, if you go, well, I would like to do this, but that means somebody else is controlling your 24 hours. You decide if you want to do that. Remember, the universe is looking. <laughs> so, it's going to be our new thing t shirt. The universe is looking. <laughs> right? So, so set, you got to write this stuff down. Remember the Bible actually says, now you understand, write the vision. Make it plain. So the universe could see it. <laughs> it actually says, so those who see it could run with it. And I'm thinking to myself, I mean, like, I, why doesn't somebody pass, see what I wrote, go start running? <laughs> run with my vision. Run. No, it could very well be the witnesses. That have been set up as blessing and curse to identify blessing and cursing to actually take it over because we've committed to it. You see, I, I was cleaning up my office, as I said, and I found folders with uh, goals from 2004, 2003, 2004. I mean, we're talking like 50 things. And I was looking through some of them. I went, my God, I did all of them. But I never even looked back at the sheet. The day I typed this, I never looked at it again. I did them all. But at the time, it was such a big thing. How are we ever going to do this? Like write a book 
oh my gosh, if I could just write a book. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But look, we did them. So sometimes they're big because they're in our heads. They're just in our head and they're stuck and they're so big they can't even come out. That's why they're so big. Get them out. Pull them out. Just grab them. Pull them out of you and put them on paper. All right. Any questions? This is all I have for you tonight. It's a mild night. But it'll take you into January with a head start. Because we don't meet till the third week. So you'll have a three-week head start. And anybody else for your 2023. By the time we come three weeks later, you'll have these goals that you wrote down. These habits start changing. Amazing. January 22nd, I think it was when uh, the Holy Spirit told me to start going to the gym every day during the week when the gym is open for one hour. Don't spend more than an hour. You know how many times I was tempted to spend more than an hour after I got in the hang of it? It's like, I could hang out here all day. Thank you very much. <laughs> nope, one hour. Got to go. <laughs> and I, that's part of my day. I figured out how to find an hour during the week. And you know what? Nobody died because I took an hour. Everybody's still alive, including me. Wow. <laughs> so sometimes we make it about other people, and I can't do this because then this. No, 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 no. You can do it. You can totally do it. Right? Everybody with me? Good? We good? Let's pray. Father, I thank you for tonight. I thank you, Lord, that you have heard uh, us, and you know our hearts. You know what we want to do. Holy Spirit, I ask you to help us to guide us, to lead us, give us uh, insight, understanding. We ask for the wisdom of God to come to us, that uh, we, would, we would be more efficient and more effective than someone who does not have the Holy Spirit's quickening in them. So as believers, as children of God, we have the advantage of covenant rights, covenant behavior, and the wisdom of God to uh to help us so we call upon that right now father and lord i just speak right now a healing over uh the women father anyone at the sound of my voice i speak the healing balm of gilead to be extended to people that their uh their bodies will be made whole their spirits and soul will be made whole in the name of jesus and whatever the uh, the enemy meant for evil you will turn it into good father we thank you for this lord in Jesus' name, amen, amen. and amen.